Kyle Wagner, thank you for being here. You are uh, another gate. You're in Boreworm. Yeah. Uh, what else you got going on? So I got another gate in Boreworm. I have mm-hmm. Among These Ashes. Yep. I have a band I am working on with some friends right now that's more of a hardcore crossover type of deal. We're calling it Stank. And I also play live drums for a band called Introvert, which is a uh, like a beatdown deathcore, very low tunes, very uh oh my cat's gonna join us today. Right. Very uh low and slow and heavy and you know, it's all they're all kind of different. Every band kind of scratches a different itch, but sure. I I deal with all five of them. Okay. So you I think if I remember, you started out playing guitar. So if we go back to like high school and middle school where I really first started playing, I started on drums. I got rock band and I started to play the drums because I thought it was cool. I was super into Guitar Hero anyway, but like I get to play drums this time. Let's try that out. And I liked it. And then I kind of realized that the the motions are similar to real drums. It's not like Guitar Hero to real guitar. That's not even close. Hi, Maya. It's not even close. So with drums on rock band, it is because it's still the motion, still hitting with the foot. So I took, uh, I started with Run to the Hills, which was not an easy song to start with, but I right. did anyway. And I'm just like all the yellow notes. So the, like I can hear the symbol and the note and what's being played. So I just kind of took that and put it on the real drum set that was in the basement. And I was like, holy shit, I can play drums. So I kind of just, I would watch rock band charts on YouTube. And that's how I would learn some songs. And then I'd go back and play them. I'd be like, I'm actually playing this right. So I started on drums. I did some marching band in high school as well. Uh, and I picked up guitar and bass as well because I wanted to kind of learn everything. I wanted to write some music as well, but it wasn't a serious like practice thing. Like when I wasn't playing drums, I could play guitar or whatever. And that was cool. And my dad's a bass player. So I learned some bass from him, but I never really focused on those as hard as I did on drums. I wanted to be a drummer. I was doing drums primarily had a couple bands that didn't quite work out up until I was about 18, 19 years old. And then I joined the band Carnus Immortalis, which was the band I started on bass with. And it ended up being my primary focus for a while was playing bass because I was in that band and no other bands at the time. And I still wanted to play drums. I still had drums, but I did end up selling my drum set at the time because I wasn't playing actively in any bands. So I was just playing bass in Carnus. And I stuck with that for a while. And that's how a lot of people ended up knowing me as a bass player, not as a drummer. But now things have changed. I joined bands, filled in for bands, and I kind of switched. And now all the bands I play bass for are no longer active. And I'm playing drums for four out of my five projects. (laughs) I just kind of got stuck as a drummer because there's not many local drummers. Right. But I enjoy it. I like playing drums a lot. I built up a nice drum set. I just recorded an album uh, a couple weeks back with Among These Ashes. And it went great. I'm very stoked on it. It's the first record with me actually on it, even though I got credit for the first one. Uh, but this is me actually playing on that record. Yeah, and, Joe, Joe was actually raving about you uh, on the, you know, with your, your skill there in the studio. I appreciate Joe a lot because I'm very critical of myself and even listening to these takes back because I'm starting a mixing process. I'm like, fuck, I wish I played that a little stronger. But once it gets mixed, it sounds good. I don't have to do a lot of editing because I'm, I don't want to, I want you to hear how I play stuff and how I play. It comes out in the record. I'm a big fan of natural sounding drums. 
Make him sound huge for sure, but don't make him sound fake. Don't make him sound, you know, plastic. Except the kick drum. Trigger the kick drum. That's fine. I got no problem with that. I play death metal. We're going to trigger the kick drum. Yep. I like the sound of the triggered kick because you can always hear it. But on the flip side, you can also hear if I fuck up because the trigger makes everything very audible. So I have to be, in my opinion, triggers require you to play tighter to sound just as good. That's fair. I, you know, I played drums for probably like a year and a half and I was terrible at it. Never played with triggers. Uh, Dude, drums are a mess. <laughs> There's so much to worry about. But I, I like it. I, I like learning. I like the, man, I can't talk today. I like the fine details and stuff. I like to know how things work. I like to pay attention to little stuff. So when I'm playing drums, I'm I'm thinking about my parts. And I'll get the basic parts and everything down, throw some fills in. But when it comes time to like really record it and get it ready, I'm thinking about every little fill that I have to do in a bunch of different spots of the song. I like to be consistent, but I also like to spice things up because I don't want to just be a standard four on the floor drummer the whole time. I want people to hear that and be like, oh, that was cool. It's not even about like, I don't care if people hear and they're like, oh man, this drummer is awesome. Like I want to hear them hear the, I want to hear them. I want them to hear my parts and think the parts are cool and that it sounds good. I don't care about, receiving accolades as a good drummer or a good writer or whatever. I just want to make music and have fun with it. And I think that's what uh keeps me still going <laughs> is yeah. that I care about making more music, not necessarily about receiving any sort of praise or numbers or streams or anything like that. Cause sure you'll want your band to have millions and millions of streams. Of course I do, but I, I will live without the $17 that we would get from that. And I just want people to hear it and enjoy it. That's the main thing I'm concerned about. That's fair. I, uh, you know, I didn't listen to Nethergate at all until I saw you guys play with Battlecross at that last show. Oh yeah. That was a good show. Yeah. I was like, okay, I can, I can get into it. That, and that made me start, you know, start listening to you guys. So I appreciate that very much. Hey, we appreciate you. Thank you. We're, uh, so I know I just finished the Among These Ashes album, but Nethergate is also working on an album right now. Uh, guitar is working on being tracked. I'm going to do drums sometime in uh, probably late February, early March is the goal. Uh, but I'm not not 100% sure yet. We have uh, a show coming up in a couple weeks. As of the time of recording, it is the end of 2023. It's the 30th right now. So when people see this, they'll understand why I'm saying a couple weeks. But we have a show in a couple weeks uh, at the Sanctuary. I'm actually doing double duty that show. I'm playing with Nethergate and Borworm back to back. Uh, it's not my first time doing it, but it never gets any easier. Right. And I think it's going to be fun. So we're playing that following week. Borworm has a show and then some other stuff in February. I can't talk about yet for Nethergate. And then we're going to be working on that record, trying to get that done before the summer hits. So we can maybe try to like get on the road, try to go to a couple different states. Cause I got friends and other bands that want to try to go out and do other stuff. And we got this van just sitting here. Like it needs to be full of gear and people. It needs to go on the road. I want to go on the road and play some stuff in different States. Cause that's, a, that's how you build a fan base. Like I, we can only do so much playing in Detroit over and over and over. Yeah. But we had, to, we switched up members last year. Cause our good buddy, Jacob, who played with us from the beginning, uh, he wanted to kind of move on from the whole music thing. And we still love the guy to death. He lives close. I talked to him. He's a great dude. Zero hard feelings at all. It's just he wasn't feeling it. And that's fine. Like, if you are not 100% invested and you don't want to do this, 
don't force yourself to do it. I firmly believe we should do this because we want to. But we got our new guitar player. His name is Ian. Ian McDonald. That dude is a shredder. We found him through Instagram because he loves Children of Bodom. Absolutely loves Children of Bodom. As do I, as does the rest of the band. But this dude's just like, yeah, I know every solo they've ever done and just plays through all of them. I'm like, this guy's fucking great. So we contacted him, had him come meet us and hang out for a little while. We clicked immediately. He learned our whole set in a month, about a month, maybe a little bit longer, but I think about a month. And he wrote two solos to fill in spots that needed solos. And his first gig with us was when we played with Dark Funeral and Cattle Decapitation at the Crowfoot. Right on. And he was fucking on it, dude. It was awesome. So we got a real strong lineup here. This record's going to be cool. I'm proud of it. Half of it is old. Like the Necroasis EP that we put out mm-hmm. was actually originally going to be a full length with the same title as what the full length is going to be now. But due to time constraints and me being in school at the time and just everything going on, we wanted to get music out. So we took the five songs that we really wanted to put out quickly and put those together into an EP, which became Necroasis. And then half of this new record was the other half of what that album was supposed to be, but we spent more time tweaking them to make them better songs, which I'm very happy about because I'm pretty stoked on all the material that we've come up with. And then we wrote new songs, and instead of it being like, 90% 90% guitar player written. Me and Matt, our bass player slash vocalist, had a little bit more input on some of these stuff. I wrote uh, one to two of the songs. Uh, one might not make it. We're not sure. But I wrote two of them, and then I co-wrote one with Matt. So there's a lot more of Matt and I's influence in terms of the writing of the music this time. And it turned out really well. I think it uh, the album feels uh, concise from front to back. Like It feels like you're getting a taste of what Nethergate's really about. Right on. And it's definitely faster in some spots. Some spots are slow. It's it's an expansion on what we've done with the first two EPs, in my opinion. Okay. So are you guys, you guys are obviously going to release it yourself? Yeah. Yeah. You- Unless we find something. Uh, we haven't really spent the time to look for labels, you know, because they can only do so much for you. Don't, and don't sign I can to do a label. <laughs> I could, I, we can kind of put it out ourselves. We have the promotion that a label can give you and the connections and everything. I'm sure that's valuable because I have friends that are signed to smaller labels. It seems to be doing well for them. Um, But we just haven't really had a need. I would love to send it to Metal Blade Records and get on there because, yeah, sure. But (laughs) it needs to be worth it, I would assume, for both sides. And it's not really worth it for us because we can do basically everything ourselves i've recorded both of those nethergate eps i engineered recorded mix and i mastered the first one joe from finality actually mastered uh necroasis so we're mostly doing everything ourselves and i got no problem with that i think we're gonna have this full length mixed by somebody professional though because i can only do so much i'm sitting at my workstation right now which is also my kitchen which is also right (laughs) by my front door yeah. It's not exactly the best listening environment. I don't really have any sound treatment in here. I can only do so much. Sure. I want it to sound as professional as possible. So we'll probably send it off to somebody much better than me with a much better uh, studio setup or listening environment than me. And I got no problem with that. I used to want to do everything myself because it was a pride thing. It's like, no, my bands are all self-produced, mixed, mastered, everything. And then your productions don't sound as good as all of your other contemporaries. I'm like, okay, 
what's the problem here? Why why is it sound worse? It's because I'm not a professional. I can only do so much. But we can at least do a lot of the like preparing of the tracks ourselves. Yeah. I'm good at that part. And then I send that off to someone who's professional with the mixing and the mastering. And that's where we're going to get the full picture, I think. Do you have someone in mind? Few people. Uh, there's been some options. Uh, we've thought about like, like large famous producers. And then we thought about like local people who we trust very well and who are also professionals. They just haven't put their name on big death metal records. One person that I considered from the beginning would be uh, Christian Cola, who has done aborted and benighted and plenty of other like crazy fast technical death metal. So he understands exactly what we're going for. We've thought about uh, our friend Adam Shepard, who is around here. He's local, local to us, but he's done, you know, he's done tours with bands, running monitors and stuff. Every time he runs sound, it's the best sound we could possibly get. And he does work out of a studio and I trust his ear. I trust his judgment. We would have no problem sending it off to him. Shout out to Adam. If you hear this, great dude, great sound man, great engineer, great producer, all of it. Uh, we love that guy to death. So that is also a possibility. We just haven't come to a decision in any way. We are just trying to get the record tracked right now. Sure. And with the holidays and New Year's, we haven't done much lately. But uh, starting in January, we're we're going to be back to this a little more full force, especially between January and March, once all the shows are out of the way, once it hits March, uh, no, no shows unless something crazy pops up. Like, you want to open for Cannibal Corpse? Yeah, we want to fucking open for Cannibal Corpse. Yeah. But other than that, it's album crunch time. We need to get it done. We need to get it done right, but also fast. It's it's tough to get things done super fast while also not cutting any corners anywhere because I I don't want to do that at no, all. I want you to hear a balance, us. you know? Yes. Absolutely. That and that that balance I think is is really hard for a lot of people. You want to you want the best product you have to go out and so people can enjoy it and you don't want to cut quarters and sometimes you you find that you might cut a corner and you're like, "Damn it." Yeah, I mean, it's going to happen. I, there's no way to avoid all of it. There's no way you're going to get in there and just, "Oh, the whole session's perfect. Everyone tracked everything perfectly first take." Like that's it's not how it works. Yeah. And, and it never will be. And expecting that would be setting yourself up for disappointment. Going in with really high expectations is never a good thing. Going there with the expectations that you're going to make something really cool. And then when you get something that's cooler than you expected, you get that little serotonin boost. You're like, oh, that turned out sweet. Okay. And it builds the morale a little bit. Rather than going in expecting top notch and every little mistake brings it down, go in there expecting yourself to make mistakes. You're going to. And then everything that gets right goes up and up and up. The morale goes up. The connection to the music itself goes up. That's kind of how Among These Ashes was. Because I went in expecting to do a, a decent job at least. Like I learned, I learned the whole album by ear in like a month and a half to two months. I admittedly did not listen to it as much as I should have. Because I'm very burnt out on music pretty easily because I make so much of it. And I'm going back and forth with my songs, doing the car test fixing it, doing the car test, that generally when I'm out and about and I'm listening to my headphones, I'm generally listening to like podcasts or YouTube videos about either mixing, mastering, producing, whatever, or if I need a break from all that, I'll throw on videos of like commentary or Pokemon info, <laughs> stuff like that, uh, just to make sure I don't get super burnt out on music in general. And honestly, I think it works out really well because I, I don't feel a lack of passion to do what I'm doing. 
So back to topic. Going into Among These Ashes, learned it by ear about a month and a half to two months of just listening to it over and over and over and over. And I only practiced the record like four or five times all the way through. Richard, if you're hearing this, I'm sorry I didn't do as much due diligence as I should have. But I did figure out the whole record. I knew what I wanted and where. So when we went in there, it took me four sessions to do 12 tracks. Um, and I did a lot of retakes. I'm like, I want to do that again. I want to do that again. I, I pulled up some of these sessions. And some of them, I just had three takes for the whole song. And I felt comfortable with that. Some of them, I had 12. I needed to redo certain parts to make sure not only was I proud of the part, but that it transitioned well into the other parts. Cause I like to do as much of the song as possible, one chunk. And then if like, uh, you know, the first half before the solo needs to be redone or like the solo to the end needs to be redone. That's fine. The more I have to condense and work on one little part, the less I enjoy it. I like to be able to flow through yeah. so all my drum videos that I've posted on YouTube and everything over the last year, all in one take, because I know the best drummers out there, they can nail every part while recording and then do it over and over. Everything sounds good and concise and everything like that. But you did it multiple takes. I want to see you play the whole song. I want to see how you play the full song. Because if you can start, if you start strong and then you get weak at the end of it, you can't play the full song. You can play it in parts. I want to see you play the full song. That's no disrespect to anybody who does the mind playthroughs or anything like that. That's fine. Just know if there's not a microphone on all of your toms, but your tom rolls are coming out real good. I know you're not actually playing that. And that's that's not me. I, I want the full one take live audio fuck ups and all. There is a fuck up in every single one of my drum playthrough videos. And I, I refuse to hide that because I'm a human. I'm not a robot. So yeah, that's kind of the funny thing about going to see bands live is, you know, that they've practiced and practiced and practiced and there's always going to be a mistake somewhere. Oh yeah, absolutely. But when I see bands that don't have mistakes, it makes me think, huh, maybe I do need to practice for like eight hours a day. Cause I've, I saw, I saw Meshuggah. They didn't miss a fucking note anywhere. They no, were locked in. They're not cannibal corpse locked in uh, the black Dahlia murder locked in. I don't think I've seen Alan miss a note live playing drums ever since he joined that band. Right. Uh, fantastic drummer. Fantastic person, too. Uh, I've never seen him fuck up. There are just some bands I don't see them fuck up. And I'm like, how do you... How? I fuck up every song, every show, at least once. Even if it's minor, like I miss a cymbal or whatever, and I'm like, ah, and I go back to it. Or I drop a stick and I have to pick another one up. I expect to fuck up. I bet Because I'm not, I'm not perfect. I bet, I bet they feel that way, though, too. Right? They're playing and they're like, oh, I fucked up there. I could have made that better. I don't catch it with some of these bands. I just don't catch it. Keep doing your thing. You know how many times I've seen Archfire live and it's ridiculous that they can, they play that. They play it live right in front of you. You're like, yeah. holy shit, they're not robots. But one time I remember I was watching them and I think there was this like little triplet run lick and he like flipped and slipped like one note in it out of this fast little fucking, just one little slip. I'm like, ah, there it is. There it is. You are human. I found it. That was the only time I've ever noticed that. But like that, that to me is better than if I were to see him play it flawless front to back, because that means he's really doing that shit. There's no miming going on. I love that. I really do. I want to see a band go live and just rip it. Aborted is another live band that I've never seen the drummer fuck up. 
He's back there. You know, I don't even think he plays with a click or anything in his ear. And he plays in Crocs. And he's just barreling 280 BPM the whole fucking time, just making it look easy. And I'm back here struggling at 240. Like, that dude put in work. And one time, we actually, Ballroom got to open the uh, the Chaos and Carnage tour earlier this year. And a board, it was on that. And the drummer knows uh, my guitar player and his wife somehow, I think. I'm not sure. Um, but he knows them. So he came and watched some of our set. You want to know how much pressure that added to me? Knowing oh, yeah. the drummer of a board it is watching me play? Oh, man. But I think I did well. I, I went out there. I feel like I got a good set going. Everyone seemed to like it. So no complaints. No complaints. That was back when I was still having leg issues, too. Because when you saw me at Battlecross, yeah. I was having leg problems. Something I, I started medication last year. And one of the medications, one of the side effects is like, muscle spasms and loss of muscle control and things like that like, no and, yeah that hit hard so i was having trouble sitting down at like 70 80 bpm like one two three four one two with my legs my right leg was okay but my left leg was not and when i tried to put them together it just failed i would have to sit and warm up to get myself up to like 100 bpm i got off those meds a couple months later i'm back up to where i was <laughs> it, it, it was like a night and day difference and I don't feel worse being off of that medicine. Like, I don't feel like it made things worse because I got a medication because I want to balance myself out. And there's no shame with that. Uh, and when I got off the one, within a couple, like every time I went to practice, I noticed myself feel better and better and better with control of my legs. And then it just kept getting better. And now I'm at the point where they're throwing faster stuff on me. I'm like, let's fucking go. Let's get this done. 280 BPM, make it happen. Right still hard, still have to work on it, but I'm I'm getting to the point now where I feel comfortable playing all of my band's material at basically the drop of a hat. <laughs> and that's that's a relieving feeling because I wanted to do some newer stuff at that Battlecross show, but we didn't get the chance. So but right. people people said they enjoyed it. Like you said you enjoyed this, and that's good. I that's the thing, is if I know that something is not going to go right, I'm going to prepare something else. I'm not going to go up there and wing it and fuck up half the song. I'm just going to play to what I can play at that particular time. If I'm having leg issues or arm issues or whatever, I will add more to one area and take away from the other area, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's fair. What, uh, you know, when you got off stage, did you feel like at that Battlecross show particularly, did you feel like there was a, a pretty good reception to you all? I think so. Yeah. I felt good about it. Um, I try, I, usually the people that I talk to after the set is like my girlfriend or my friends. So, cause we're packing up and that's who the people are close. And then we go back and we start hanging out with them. But anyone who came up to me that night had very good things to say. One thing that really stuck with me was I forgot who it was and I'm sorry to whoever that was. I forgot who it was, but someone told me that they're, they were trying to learn drums. They got like a practice pad and him and his kid would sit down and watch my drum videos and the kid liked them. That's, that's, that's crazy to me. Cause I know I was once a kid watching drum videos and wanting to play like that. So to switch to the person that's in the drum videos and kids are watching that, that is, that is a humbling experience. Yeah. That's, that's pretty, it, that's like a full circle. Yeah, exactly. It's super cool to me. Um, no one's done a cover of any of my band's songs yet, but hey, if you can, you can play better than me, come to a show. I'll let you fucking try it. <laughs> but I, I I, think that'd be cool to see because I know like Battlecross was a band I found very early on. I was about, I was 14. So I'm, I'm 28 now. 
So literally half my life ago, I went to my first metal show, which was Slayer, Megadeth, and Testament at Joe Louis Arena. It was the uh, Seasons in the Abyss and Rust in Peace 30th anniversary, or 20th, oh my God, it's been 10 years since that, 20th anniversary, because it was in 2010. And got to see Slayer with the original lineup, got to see Megadeth with Chris Broderick. I'm a big fan of Chris Broderick's playing. I think he's phenomenal. Uh, And that was my first metal show. It was awesome. Great way to start. Rust in Peace is like my third favorite album ever. And on the way out, this guy, Don Slater, hands me a demo of a band called Battlecross. And it had three tracks on it. I think it had uh, Push, Pull, Destroy, Breaking You in Misery, if I remember correctly. Uh, and I popped that into my CD player. I was like, whoa, what the fuck is this? And then I found out they were local. And I remember Tony would message me, or I would message Tony like, hey, I want to come to the show. Is it 18 and up? It's like, yeah. I'm like, damn it, because I was only 14. So I didn't get right. to see him until I was 18. Uh, but it blew my mind. I love that shit. So I did a cover of my own. I did Push, Pull, Destroy. Uh, with one little shitty camera angle, no mics or nothing like that. But like, I was the first one to do it. And I remember their drummer at the time, Mike Krager, Krager, told me, one day there will be kids covering your band's songs. And that that kind of stuff means a lot to me. That means more than like stream numbers or anything like that. If I can have impact on somebody with my music, that means the fucking world to me. Because that's what I want to do. That's all the bands that I listen to have had a massive impact on me. And that's why I continue to listen to them. Well, if we don't make it that's live music, right? Like, like the stream numbers. Yeah. It might be nice or whatever, but what does it at the end of the day, what does it really mean? Cause you're right. You're uh, who was it? Peter Frampton on Spotify had like 55 million streams and got $1,700. Like, come exactly. on, dude. <laughs> like I, I know. So I've listened, I actually looked into that whole, the Spotify paying artist type thing. And I see a lot of videos and I, follow a lot of YouTubers that are connected to the music industry itself, because I can hear about, Oh, what did Corey Taylor think about that? I don't give a fuck about what Corey Taylor thinks. Show me something interesting that actually like gives you insight into what's going on and how people can like help make it better in a way. Cause of course, buy CDs from bands, buy music from bands, but everybody's using fucking Spotify or Apple mm-hmm. music or Deezer or whatever the fuck Deezer is or title, all these streaming services, that is how people primarily listen to music, what, 90% of the time? Us metalheads care about full albums and having the record and everything like that, but the general population does not. They, no, they want to I'm going to argue with you on that. I just had a conversation with someone, a lot of people that I know collect vinyl, and they're not necessarily metalheads, right? Okay. Like Okay, that, that's good to hear. I know, want, a vinyl outsold CD recently, so... I do yeah. want to see that. If people are buying vinyl again, I love that because I just started collecting and I already got some of my holy grails of vinyl of my some of my favorite records. Uh, I still got a few more I want to uh, find at some point. But well, let me th- know. I might have them and I might have copies of them. I definitely will. Sounds good to me. Um, but it's maybe maybe I am wrong in that assumption. But I know that the the easiest way to listen to music is from streaming services. I feel mm-hmm. like that's what most people are doing. There are like a especially metalheads i've noticed but a lot of people yes vinyl is starting to become more popular i see taylor swift vinyls all over target every time i go in there so and they buy those up those fans eat those things up and i know that so if that's if that's what's happening right now people are spinning vinyl records again that makes me happy maybe i need to reevaluate 
my view on the streaming thing. But well, I know I, that it's the easiest thing to do is to stream it. It's, I agree. I think it's a I think there's a shift, right? There's a shift where people are they listen to it. I find bands because of streaming services, right? I'll go on and I've I'll put on, you know, another gate album and I listen to it and then I'm listening to something else, right? Or the convalescence or spotlights or whatever, right? You know, whatever comes on. And I always I'll find a band and I'm like, oh, that song's really cool. And then I dig into them and I'm yep. like, oh shit, they got vinyl. Oh, let me let me go ahead and order some of those. Okay. Right? And that shift for me, the way I see it is like that shift is people go, okay, I know streaming isn't necessarily paying the bills for the artists, but I found them that way and I can go buy their merch. Yeah, see, that's yeah, I hundred percent agree with that. And I like what streaming has done in terms of giving exposure to bands that might not have had it before. Because yeah. like you said, if you listen to us and then you find another couple local bands like Recorruptor or Throne or something like that by listening to us, that's awesome. Because that gives exposure to all of them. And yeah, you go look them up if you like and you buy merch. I agree with that. Um, what I've known... Okay, so I hope I'm wrong about the whole... 90% of people just stream their music. I really hope I'm wrong on that because I would love for more people to buy find them. That's, that's, that's literally how most people listen to it, right? Is by streaming. They just right. also buy the merch. Which is good. And I, I hope to see that continue and bloom and vinyls keep going. Like I remember when Cattle Decapitation's new album came out last year, which ironically I did purchase. I do have it. Um, they had multiple vinyl variants and they were gone like that. Yeah. People are collecting vinyl. And that's that's awesome to me. Cause I, I think it's even cooler than a CD to have the big record in front of you and see all that. Like I just picked up Rain and Blood from Barnes and Noble on vinyl the other day. Yeah. Like that was cool. It was either that or Power Slave. And I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna get the Slayer one. I'll get the Iron Man one later. Cause I can only swing one right now. But I why would I not get Slayer on vinyl? You know what I mean? That's probably gonna be cool. But with the streaming thing, I've heard a lot about like how the, not a lot, but as much as I could off, you know, going to YouTube university. Uh, I've heard some people talk about like how when you pay Spotify the 10 bucks a month or whatever, 70 to 71% of that actually goes to artists. And then the other 29% is keeping the cost of Spotify up. Now I might be paraphrasing the numbers a little bit, but there was a video from a YouTube channel called Become the Night. This guy's name is Mike, and he seems pretty insightful and pretty intelligent about this stuff. He's a bit of a prog nerd, too, so a little bit of that, you know, that pretentious prog guy in it. I know, I have that, too. And he broke down some of the stuff and, like, some of the info about how everything works, and it's not like Spotify is robbing artists by any means or doing what they can, but there's so many artists, and it's only 10 bucks a month. If you spend 10 bucks a month and you listen to five bands only, it doesn't matter because 70% of that, that's $7, is getting split with every artist that ever gets streams. Again, kind of paraphrasing, haven't watched the video in a while. This is along the lines of what I heard. But streaming is absolutely, at this point, essential for music discovery. And I think a lot of people are finding bands through streaming and playlists and everything like that. And that's why a lot of bands and a lot of artists I've seen recently will have that debate of like, should we do singles and EPs or should we do full albums? And most people are saying singles and EPs are the way to go. 
because you can put out more quicker. And with how the internet's attention span is with TikTok and short form content, that's what gets people's attention. It's like, oh, they dropped a new single. The single's awesome. Try to get people reacting to it on YouTube. That's how like Lorna Shore blew up. So they were already decently big. Yeah. Then they ran into some problems with their terrible ex-vocalist. Then they got the new guy, Will, fantastic vocalist. And I'm not even a huge Lorna Shore fan, but I'm not going to sit here and disrespect someone who's doing well and putting up numbers. They blew up fast because of a one song. Their one song and then the two on the EP after. But the one song got reacted to so many times by so many people. It blew up. People who had never listened to that type of stuff before were being sent Lorna Shore. And it put Extreme Metal a little bit more on the map again. Yep. They did They did a Gojira and Mastodon tour together. That's a huge crowd for them to play that, to. That was a good tour. God, I wish I could have gone to that. I I love Gojira. They're one of my they once I found Gojira, I don't remember exactly what I did, but that there was an, an a weight that gets dropped on you when you hear Gojira for the first time, especially live. We traveled yeah. to Cleveland, me and a couple buddies of mine to go see Gojira live. They were thunderous. It was insane. Every time I've probably seen them, I don't know, I would say half a dozen times at this point. And every time I see them, I'm just I'm so blown away. Like they're they're off kilter, you know, just it's so heavy and just a little different, like time signature. It's, it's enough it's, to really stand out. Yeah. Cause they'll do their goofy stuff with time signatures and everything, which I love that shit. Like I'm yeah. big between the barrier to me guy. I love Prague. I love tech. I love all that weird stuff, but Gojira had found a way to do that while also creating just a crushing, heavy grooving sound that whether or not you know any music theory or time theory at all, you can hear it and just like you're just into it right away. Yeah. That is a hard balance to strike, and I think they're one of the very few bands that have done that. I was in uh, I was in a grocery store probably a week ago, and I've, I'm wearing a Gojira hoodie now, uh, so I've got a Gojira hoodie on. This old guy comes up to me, and I'm telling you, he's got to be seventy. He comes up, he goes. You like Gojira? I said, yeah. He goes, man, they are so good. I'm like, what do you know about Gojira? Like, you're this is so crazy. You're so old. But yeah, but you know what? Sometimes people like to stay in touch with the new stuff. And oh, for sure. I respect that. I try too. Yeah, I think when you're a fan of music, you're gonna, you know, you absolutely seek it out. You know, what yeah. else can I oh, find? Yeah. Um, absolutely. So, what's it like recording with Joe? Uh, <laughs> I have heard the phrase don't suck more times than I think I can count. Uh, but Joe makes things very easy on my end because he, he has a good ear for this stuff. So if I play through a take and I got good stuff here, good stuff here, bad stuff here, whatever, he'll be real quick, honest about it. Like you got some usable stuff in here. I would focus on this and this I'm like, all right, let me tune up and do it again. And we just run it again. There's no like, we both just want to get it done. We want to get it done right, but we want to get it done. So there's no like, you know, five minute debates on one thing. It's just like, hey, try something different here. Do something different here. I'm like, all right, cool. And we just run it. And he's a, he's a good engineer. Like he basically set up most of the microphones himself. I was working on getting my drum heads and everything set up and ready to go. And he did a lot of the mic placements and he did a great job. Like the raw tracks alone already sound great for you know, we recorded it in the loft in Redford, 
which is not, again, not the best sounding room. It's concrete walls. There's carpet on the walls from the last people that had it. I got some moving blankets up. It's a big, decent-sized enough room to have a little bit of, you know, echo in it. And the snare came out really good. And that's, to me, most important thing is the snare. If your snare sounds like shit, your record sounds like shit. That's, that's looking at you saying anger. So when it came to recording with Joe, it just felt, we felt, I felt locked with him because he knows exactly what I'm going for and he knows what to look for. And then I'm back there. I completely trust him watching everything, taking notes, making sure everything sounds right and making sure like, you know, the interface isn't fucking up or the microphone still sound good or he'll catch little details that I might not catch. And I'll catch little details in my playing that no one else might catch. And then we'll both just very quickly come to an agreement, but he will bust my balls the entire time, which is, it's welcomed because it like keeps, keeps my head from getting too big when I nail something. He'll be like, yeah, don't suck. I'm like, fuck, I can't suck because he's, he's <laughs> yeah. watching. So I have to not suck. In fact, there was one, there was one uh, session where Joe wasn't able to make it because he was out of town with family. Uh, so it was just me and Richard, the guitar player. And then our bass player Kane was up there with us as well. He, uh, he texted me before we went out to the studio. He was like, hey, Kyle, don't suck today. And I'm like, all right, I won't. And then I spent like four hours working on one song because it was, it was tough. It was a tough song. Kind of got angry for a little bit. Had to calm myself down, take a break. But I got it done. We got it done. The record is done. Working on fixing that up. Recording with Joe is always a blast. I want him to help me do the Nethergate record uh, in a couple months as well. Right on. Have you talked to him about that already? A little bit once I told him I'd like to have him come up and we'll pay him to do it. He's like, yeah, just let me know, man. So we'll, I'll get in touch with him. I'm pretty sure he'll help us out. Even if he just lends us mics and helps me get everything set up. Uh, and I learned a few things from the last recording that I'm going to apply to the next one, which happens every time I've recorded, you know, I did five records before COVID, right? But no, I did four records before COVID because I did the first Carnus, I did the first Nethergate. I did the first Pyrrhic, which is a band that uh, I joined with my buddy Austin. Uh, it was like a progressive death metal band. Uh, it used to be called Fortress, but then they changed the name because A, there's so many bands named Fortress, and B, there's some uh, not good bands named Fortress, like close to uh, fascist type of bands. Okay. So we wanted to get the fuck away from that association immediately because that's I, I don't stand for that. No one I know stands for that shit. Fuck that. Get me as far away from that as possible. So we changed our name to Pyrrhic, which is hilarious because Pyrrhic, the definition is a, it's a victory won at a cost that's too great to justify it. Kind of like being in a progressive death metal band. <laughs> <laughs> so we put that record out uh, right after the pandemic hit. I think it came out around April that year. And to like no fanfare because everything was dead. It was the pandemic. Uh, and the album ended up getting removed through some uh, uh, problems with like an ex-member and it, it, drama in between. I don't want to go too into it, but basically the person that I replaced was no longer medically able to play in the band. Uh, he wrote a song that went on the record. We told him that we're putting it on the record because we recorded it for him because he said the band could use the song. So I didn't, it, I was fine with not doing it, but the rest of the band wanted to do it. I'm like, okay. So we recorded it. We put it out. He didn't like that. We put it out and he filed a claim 
and we're like, okay, so it got pulled from streaming services and everything, and we just haven't put it back up uh, for whatever reason. But he, uh, it, it got taken down. If we were to upload it again with that song on it, it could have screwed up my uh, account for DistroKid. So we didn't, we didn't mess with it again. Uh, but everyone in the band is not really all that worried about it. Yeah. Uh, it was a cool record, but we're not really all that concerned. So that was the that was the third record I did. And then the Carnus EP, which came out in 2021, that dropped, and then we were off the map. We just disappeared. Um, don't know if that'll ever happen again. It is what it is. Uh, I got love for those guys, though. It's not like we're, you know, not friends. It's just it, the band was not uh, viable for everybody at the time. So then I did the next Nethergate EP, and have I done anything after that? No, the Among These Ashes album is the next thing I've done. Damn, it's been a minute. Uh, but yeah, I'm working on that. I'm working on new Nethergate. We're going to work on new Bull Run this year as well. And then I got that hardcore project I'm working on. It's called Stank. That one's going to be dropping sometime early to mid next year. That one's way different for me because I'm playing guitar. I have never played guitar in a band before. I've only played bass and drums, done vocals. Never played guitar before. So this is a change for me, but we are having a blast with it. And I'm just, I've, I've already written five songs for the band. Like I'm just writing songs at home, just riffs and sending them to the guys like, this is dope. Let's do this at practice. And it just keeps coming like that. So we've only been working on that band for a few months. We already have five songs, four down at rehearsals. It's awesome. Gonna be end of end of twenty four twenty seven records like, <laughs> hey, I'm as long as they all sound good. Trying to get yeah. as many done as possible, but it's a it's a task. It's definitely a task to be in all these bands, but uh, I wouldn't do it if I didn't like doing it. Yeah, well, that's the main thing, right? You got to keep that, keep enjoying it, challenge yourself. Which is, I, what I get is you you need the challenge. That's what keeps you happy when you, you know. I agree. I like so, a challenge. So you just got to keep with it. So tell me about this uh, Among These Acid, Ashes album. What? Uh... So uh, Richard is the primary songwriter. And mo I think he kind of just writes everything now. I think about it. And then he'll throw drum. He'll send us. He'll send me a demo or send the album or whatever. He had this album mostly done by the time I had joined the band when the first record was out. So we played a few shows here and there. Good reception. Everyone seemed to like us. Uh, Joe was the original bass player. Joe was in the band. Mm -hmm. And then Hiran from Battlecross was the uh, original rhythm guitar player. Joe wanted to focus more on finality. I don't blame him. It, it's a lot of work to run a band and be the one producing and everything like that. So he stepped on to focus on finality. Not a problem. And then Hiran, he took his uh, break from bands in general. So we replaced, not replaced, but we got people to jump in. My buddy Kane, who I used to jam with back in like 2016, he's a phenomenal bass player and he loves the music and he hasn't really been in the music uh, community for a while. I hate the term music scene. I don't like it. It's a, in my opinion, the people that stick around and support each other and everything, it's more of a community to me. So I try to say community instead of scene, but he's been out of the community for a while, just kind of lurking on his own. But then he started to come back in the forefront. We started seeing him more shows again and then we needed a bass player. So I called him up. He's like, yeah, that sounds cool. Send me some stuff. So we sent him stuff and he was immediately down, came in, played sick parts. And then he did all of his parts for the record before I did the drums. He already had all of his stuff done. And he he's a phenomenal bass player, like very good top five in the state out of everybody I've met by far. And then our buddy Dylan, who's in a band called Veriform, 
Uh, I used to practice at his house because that's where the drummer of Carnas lives. I used to practice at his house all the time. So I've known him for like a decade. And he, Richard told me to ask him because he plays in Veriform and he's got, he's got a real tight rhythm guitar hand. He's a very good guitar player, super tight rhythms. So we asked him, he seemed on board, sent him some stuff. He learned the stuff. So now that's the lineup and it's a strong lineup. Everything's going well. Richard had the album prepared. I totally just ran in a different direction. Sorry. Uh, Richard had the whole album prepared like earlier this year, came to all his parts. And I was working on like getting my legs back into shape and everything like that after the whole medication thing. And he wanted to set a deadline or he wanted to set a time for the drum recording. And so we set it for a couple weekends ago. We started on the, the 15th, right? 15th. Yeah. 15th. So we, Yep. So we set that time up. I learned the record and it's like, it's hard to describe, but there, there's some power metal influence here and there because JP's vocals are fantastic. He's got that high register real well. Uh, he can do the big Rob Halford screams. He can do unclean, angry, growly type of vocals. He can do powerfully some, vo- he's like, he's, fantastic best vocalist i think i've ever worked with in my life he's phenomenal he's a machine richard writes fantastic riffs it's like he has some fear factory influence because there's a lot of that you know trend picking double bass innered lock syncopation type stuff which is super cool he'll write open melodic passages uh he write big choruses but he finds a way to put them all together that gives like like a fear fear factory is a big influence of his but it's also a lot of like and justice for all era metallica influence okay and combining those two and then i add my influence on the drums i'm a death metal guy i like blast beats i try to sneak some blast beats here and there but only at the spots that they work i'm not going to cover this album with blast beats that's what another gate is for and we'll collaborate on parts and i'll add like hey what if i tried this i did the like the the slayer beat just hitting the ride kick snare kick snare type of beat to open a part up and every time i do that I'll see Richard look from the uh, the control room, just give like one of these types of looks. I'm like, <laughs> I know he appreciates that part, but uh, he stepped a little. He uh, he did a little bit more with this record than he did with the first one, Dominion and Throne. He um, added some different types of feels. There's a good instrumental on there that has a bunch of different styles in it. There's uh, more focus on bass here and there too, because Kane is a phenomenal bass player. He had some really cool stuff. Uh, there's still plenty of the syncopation, like from the first record, but it feels like the first album improved in every aspect. And it's hard to describe it as anything other than like Fear Factory meets Injustice for All with a little bit of power metal in there. Okay. I'm going to have to listen. I'll send you some stuff. Yeah. I'm excited. For sure. I'm uh, I'm proud of the record. I know he's proud of the record because he wrote some awesome stuff on this. Some of these riffs are fucking sweet, dude. Some of them were really difficult. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. There's some difficult drum parts for me on this record, but uh, it, it turned out really good. I'm really proud of it. It's a different style than what I'm normally used to. Cause I've been the, I've been a death metal guy for so long. And then I get asked to join like a melodic power thrash band. I'm like, yeah, let's give it a shot. Loved it immediately. It was a blast. Right. On. So I will, I'll continue drumming for this, all my bands. I'm going to continue playing with them until I can't anymore, you know? Yeah. Until, well, or until you have more projects that, yeah, <laughs> I get a fucking sixth project or something. I'm, I can't do it, man. It's already hard enough to balance all this. Yeah. Oh, I imagine. I'm like, I'm trying to think like, 
how how do you have time to write songs for this band practice your drums and get better for this band and then do something you're not used to over here and over here like see there's a secret to that i don't do that i just don't do that what i do is so nethergate is the band that i helped start like from the ground up i was the first drummer we gathered together i built up another drum set to basically play for this band uh we, I started with the ground up. I'm on every record. I've done all the drums for all the stuff. So that one is like the the closest one to me because I helped start it up. And I wrote songs, well, the drum parts, basically. I didn't write an actual song myself or riffs or anything like that until now for the first full length. Oh, excuse me. So that one is like my close one. That's the one that practices the most and gathers the most. And I've been close friends with uh, Paul and Matt for a long time and then Ian has quickly become a good friend of mine I like I love that guy to death and Jacob I never met until Nethergate but I also love him to death and I wish him the best at all points I, will, I won't lose contact with him even if he's not in the band he's friend first bandmate second that's how I view all of this we are friends because if we're not friends we can't fucking be bandmates right. just can't happen as for among these ashes Richard writes the material and he sends me stuff and I don't ever have anything to say about it because it's just so well written he understands structure and changing things up and not doing things too much. And like, he, he writes songs. He doesn't write riff salads. He writes songs to the point where he sends them to me. I'm like, this is fucking sick. I got nothing to change. Same with Borwer. Mikey writes some of the fucking weirdest riffs I've ever heard, but it's so heavy and it's so cool. The way I describe Borwer especially the newer stuff that's coming out with a little, they have a little bit of deathcore influence in the early stuff because they both came from a deathcore band and made Bullworm, but they started to get more and more like death metal as they went on. And all the new stuff for like the next EP and the next full length is next level shit. In my opinion, I'm a big progressive death metal guy. This is some of my favorite material anyone has ever worked on with me. It's like if cannibal corpse met Fallujah met, Mashuga met a little bit of Gojira, like elements for all the good elements from all of those bands combined into this fucking thunderous powerhouse of a progressive death metal band. Wow. And I'm really excited for people to hear some of that stuff. I don't have to write. I just learned that the songs are really difficult to learn, but everyone in that band's a fucking goofball. So the stress of learning the songs in some bands is like a little more evil with the stress of trying to figure out what to do with navigating how to hang out with the band. I love all these bands. It's not difficult, but they're, they're so goofy the whole time at practice that we're just sitting there having a blast, but the music is harder. It's the hardest music out of any of the bands I've been in. I have, it takes me a long time to learn some of these songs, but it's worth it every time. Because once we lock those in, it's like, we're fucking actually making this material happen. Like we're playing this live. This is nuts. I love it. I don't have to write a thing except my drum parts. I tweak stuff up. It's fine. Uh... So although like three different, I have three different roles of involvement outside of playing drums. I do a lot with Nethergate. I do a good amount with Among These Ashes and I do a good amount with Borworm. But with those two, it's mostly just drums and then producing my own drums. Nethergate, I'm on top of fucking everything. So I only have to put that much effort into Nethergate. I put the drum effort into Among These Ashes and Borworm. I put a lot in Nethergate. As for the, the hardcore project Stank, I'm writing the riffs. But I love writing riffs. I'll sit here with a guitar and just fucking come up with something. I'll write a two. I, it takes me one to two days of like an hour long session. I'll have a full song done, mapped out, demoed, and sent to the band already. Right. On. And they like everything I come up with. So that means I'm the Richard or I'm the Mikey of that project. 
and it, it it goes well. And then with Introvert, I only play live with them. Uh, it hasn't happened in a while because the singer of Introvert, James Connor, wonderful human being, love him to death. He is a neurologist. He's incredibly intelligent, incredibly busy, incredibly successful. I'm so happy for the guy. He's been in Arizona for a while, but I think might be coming back. I think we might be doing stuff next year. Right. I'm hoping because I haven't seen that guy in a while. I love him. Uh, everyone in that band is super cool. So that'll be that'll be fun if that comes back. But I don't I don't have to do much with that one. It's I used to be in three bands where I'm trying to do everything in all three bands. When I was in Carnus and Mortalis, Nethergate and Pyrrhic all at once, I was way too involved in all of them. And I got fucking burnt out. Yeah. So once only Nethergate remained from the ashes of that, and among those ashes, <laughs> among the ashes of all that, I put more in another gate and then I got asked to join the other ones, but I didn't have to do all the writing and all the producing and everything like that. Cause they have people that can do it with Carnus. I was kind of the only one doing it cause we were all learning from the ground up, but I was the only one who went into the recording side of it. Everyone else just worked on their instruments, uh, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that, but I was doing a lot behind the scenes in terms of that. Uh, so that's, that's kind of how I pull it off is I don't do everything for all the bands. I do everything I can for one, and then I do my part for the rest of them. It's still a lot. It is a lot. I yeah. ha I have to like compartmentalize a little bit. That's why like if Among These Ashes has a show coming up, we'll do rehearsals like the couple months leading up to the show, but we don't jam weekly. Same with Forward. Some of the guys live really far. We're going to probably start jamming more to try to get material set up, but some of them live out in like Flint area. So like they don't, they're traveling an hour just for band practice. Like I don't want to make you come out here for two hours on a Wednesday night. Like, We'll do something on a weekend. Nethergate normally jams once a week, but holidays have been fucking all that up. So we'll get back to that. Our our studios closed. They closed the loft down for a week every New Year's because of the shooting that happened on New Year's when I was in the building. Damn. We had to make like a grand escape. It was it was not fun. That's a story for off camera though. <laughs> yeah. So that's never fun. I'll tell you, I don't miss the, uh, I don't miss living in Detroit for, for that reason. It was got so many, so many shootings when I was a kid. It's, it's not cool, man. I still like, I, I fucking, sometimes I still get nightmares about like hearing about it. Like I didn't see the shooting. I didn't see the body. I did see blood though. I saw a lot of blood. This took a dark twist and I'm sorry, but I saw that. And to this day, I still have like, sometimes I'll have a nightmare where there's a shooting going on that I don't see and I have to run. But because I didn't see the actual shooting or anything like that, that's what my brain remembers. It's not seeing it, being terrified and running away. So I've had a couple of recurring nightmares about that. Uh, I don't feel like I'm super messed up or traumatized from it, but I could be wrong. I'll ask my therapist about it. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so studio's closed. We're not jamming right now. It's the holidays, but we got to... Once that place opens back up, we're cranking out because I got a double set in a couple weeks and I, I do not intend to disappoint. I'll tell you that. Right on. Well, I got a buddy with a studio in Royal Oak. I uh, I always love going into his studio. Little God. Uh, soundscape recording is what it is. I think I've heard that name. What? Uh... You said Royal. I think I've heard the name. I'm not 100 percent sure, but Royal, yeah, Royal Oak. Uh, the guy's okay. name's Tim Smith. I went to high school with him. Tim's. I'm not sure. I, I, dude, I know a lot of people. Yeah, and it's gotten to the point now where more people know me than I know them. 
I'll be in an event. Someone comes up, Kyle, what's going on, man? I'm like, hey, dude, what's going on? I feel so bad because half the time I know their face, but I don't remember their name. And I feel so bad about it because so many people have come up to me and have been super nice. Like, bro, your band sounded sick. You did a great job. I'm like, thank you. I appreciate it just the same. Whether or not I know your name, if you come out of your way to tell me you like what I do, thank you. You go out of your way to stream my fucking music and you send me a picture of your car saying Nethergate or Bullworm or Among These Ash, anything. It's it's super cool to me. I love that shit. It means a lot. That means more to me than any streaming numbers, even if they're building on my streaming numbers. But <laughs> it means a lot, and I, 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 I don't even know what to do about it at this point. I just it's super cool to me. I've met a lot of people, had a lot of connections made through this community of metalheads that want to just get together on the show, drink some beers, and run around in a circle. And I, I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change it for anything. Nah, it's a great community to uh, be a part of. I agree. I want to try to, <laughs> this year, I want to see how many people put their money where their mouth is. I'm liking one or any of my bands. I want to set up a show. I'm going to call it Wagfest, right? <laughs> I want to get all of my bands, whether it's the four that are in state or also the fifth one coming from out of state. I want all of them to play the same fucking night. I'm going to have all of them play. I'm going to do five sets in one night. It's going to destroy me physically but I don't care. When am I ever going to get to do that again? I want to, I want to do it once because people give me shit all the time. Like, Hey, what if you play with all your bands on one show? I'm like, you know what? What if I did that? What if I pulled that off? So I'm, I'm going to try. I'm not, it's not going to be the only bands. I want some of my real good friends and bands on there. Like I'm hoping to like, I want to contact Recorruptor, contact Manic Outburst, contact Archstone, people that I'm fr good friends with and that I've known for a while. Yeah. I would want them on my, I'm going to do it around my birthday. So I do a birthday show for myself. Uh, I think it'd be a blast, pun intended. I also think it's going to be difficult. You should talk to Don and get Shock to come play. Oh man, that's, that's a good idea. I love Zach too, drummer. He's fucking, that dude's intimidating to watch play drums, man. I don't Zach think is he's playing with him insane. anymore. Oh, that's right. Oh yeah. Damn. Okay. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Joe Joe was hinting at who the new drummer was, and he wouldn't tell us. And when I was talking with Finality, oh yeah, I did. I completely kind of forgot about that because I knew I knew shit life wasn't doing anything anymore. I forgot about Shock, and I just I talked to Don about it recently. I think uh, I don't remember. I talked to too many too much too much going on up here. The ham yeah. I got like five hamsters on different wheels, and some of them got to take well, a break sometimes. You know, yeah. yeah. They're never spinning in sync either. It's always like one is going way faster than the other yeah. one. Yeah. Well, oh, come man. on, guys. Chill out. Everyone takes some Adderall. Let's just kind of get on the same page. That's what I'm saying, man. That's, that's Adderall is dangerous. Yeah. See, like if I took one of those, my house would be clean, but I wouldn't sleep for three days. Uh, my, Like I know I've got ADHD real bad. And uh, I just took some Vyvanse the other day, which is like extended release Adderall. Right. Oh, I hated it. Every, yeah, I'm... I was like, nope. I I thought this was gonna help me get on track, and it it didn't. I can't do this. I I so drugs and medicine kind of have two different levels in my mind because yes, medicine is drugs, but not all drugs are medicine. Mm -hmm. I'm not I'm not really into drugs. You know what I mean? Like I don't. I don't want pain. I'll take an ibuprofen if I have a fucking headache, but unless I have a painful surgery, I'm not taking no fucking painkillers. I'm not doing that shit, man. I've seen that ruin people's lives and it just doesn't sound fun to be stuck on those. I don't even smoke weed anymore, man. I fucking, I have a few drinks when I go out 
here and there. And I, I have my medication that I'm on. That's more important to me than smoking weed. So I just, I try to stay focused. I won't drink at shows until after I play either. If I'm going to a show and I'm playing, I'm, I'm not drinking until after I'm done. It's not happening. I got drums to play. I'm trying to disappoint people. Maybe one shot before going on stage to loosen up a little bit, but only if I've stretched out enough and I feel confident. Someone's like, you want a shot? I'm like, sure, fuck it. Let's go. And then I'll go play my set. Other than that, nope. I, yeah, I know I know a lot of bands like that. They they won't they won't drink or, or smoke or anything until after they, they get off stage. It, it some people can get up there blasted and do their thing. Like when I was in Carnus, I was smoking a good amount of weed. I would smoke weed all night and get up there and I feel like I play my bass fine. Oh, excuse me again. Drums are different. It's so physical and there's a lot of mental in there too. I have to think. I have to breathe. I have to prepare for the next part. I have to focus on my click track and keeping time and everything. Because I, pl I play with a click in my ear live and I play with triggers. I know, I'm a fucking cheater. But I play with <laughs> triggers and I play with a click track and some people are not into that. Some people don't want to play with a click. They're like, it should be natural, the ebb and flow and everything like that. And I agree with that. I get it. That's what that's what I do for uh that's what Stank does. We just go based off the drummer's timing. It doesn't need a click track. I don't want to make him play to a click track if he doesn't want to. I when I play drums, I'm playing in death metal bands or I'm playing in Among These Ashes, which has a lot of very tight syncopation and a lot of like there's some tempo changes here and there. And I want to make sure I'm dead on. So I play with a click. I got no problem with it. If I'm drinking, it is not as easy to keep the hands moving the way I want to. Because it, it loosens you up, but it also diminishes the mental power. Demid, like yeah. I want, I want to stay razor sharp when I'm back there playing. Because there's a lot to do. There's a fuck ton of notes when you're playing death metal drums all the time and going a mile a minute. So I want, I like to stay focused. Once I get off, sure. But generally, I drive the van too, so I can't even drink that much anyway. Got so it. I just kind of, I just stay, I stay in the mindset of what I need to stay in for whatever I am doing. Like, I do karaoke sometimes. I run karaoke at a place called Parts and Labor. Uh, I just bring my laptop and a TV and set it up and act like a radio DJ for a while and drink and have fun with my friends. It's always a blast. I'll drink there because all I have to do is fucking set people up with their songs. But if I'm playing a show on drums, nope. Bullworm has a, a headliner. We got asked to play a show out in Kalamazoo on the 20th of January, and we're last for headlining, so we get a little bit of a longer set. I'm not touching a drop of alcohol that night. Not, no. <laughs> Borman's material is hard enough on its own. I've never done a 45-minute set with this band yet, so that's going to be a task. Well, yeah, uh, is that the one Nethergate's playing too? No, that's, uh the one Nethergate's playing is Panic and Hamtramck, gotcha. which is that three-day local fest at the Sanctuary. Love that place. Shout out, Maxwell. Uh, I'll be doing Nethergate, Borworm, back-to-back, -back, which I have done before, but that means I get a break in between. When I'm playing a 45-minute set, I There's don't no get break. a break in between. There's no break. There's song, 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 done. Like, But I'm excited for it, because a lot of the material's newer, and some people haven't heard it, and I feel like people are going to pay attention, and trying to, I'm going to put them on the map again, because Borworm's, Borworm's been around longer than I've been in the fucking scene. Like, they did Summer Slaughter 2014. They've done shows locally. They fucking, like, 10 years ago, I believe, was their first show. Right on. Uh, I've only been in the band a couple years. I joined in 2021. Yeah, 2021, they asked me to join. Uh, and I love this new material so much that I really want to start 
getting it working and getting it out because there's there's some really good stuff here, really heavy shit. And I, I want to see it out. I want to see people jam into it. So when do you think it'll stuff. be coming out? I am. The goal is to have the next Borworm release, the EP, next year. Not hopefully not too far into the year, like summer ish is would be the ideal uh, spot because I think it's only three or four songs. Okay. Um, which is not a problem. Knock out that recording in a day. I'm gonna do how, drums for that one. So how long are the songs normally? Uh, it varies with Borworm, but a lot of them are between four and six minutes. Okay. There's one song. The longest song we have, I believe, is six and a half minutes right now. Uh, but I got I could again. I have an album on my phone. I haven't listened to all of it yet. If they need me to learn something, I start listening to that one 20 times a day. And I figure it out. But I believe between four and six minutes, okay. three or four songs on the EP. Nethergate's record is about 40 minutes long and has 10 tracks, including an intro. So I count the intro as a track. It's nine tracks in a little intro. But one of those songs is eight and a half minutes long. Wow. And Among These Ashes... There's a seven minute song, a seven and a half minute song, and an eight and a half minute song. We end the record with a really long song, but it it ends on a high note. I'll tell you that it ends intense, and I'm 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 fucking proud of it. Right I think on. it's gonna be sick. I think people are gonna enjoy it. I think people are gonna enjoy all this stuff. But I'm also biased because I'm in the bands and I like it. So yeah, well, I'm right. You know, hopefully we can get some more people to to go and check out the bands. You know, that's the the biggest thing. I I like seeing good bands get more people i agree and that Just, goes for all of my friends in bands too yeah i want more people to listen to my friends bands because i know a lot of people in fucking sick bands finality is one of them yeah, I love I just, those guys. I just had a conversation with a buddy of mine uh met him because i was checking out his band and uh god they they got hooked up with Mr. Bungle and Melvins and toured with them over here and they're they're getting ready to go over to uh uh, to Europe and tour starts in Switzerland with Mr. Bungle. And they're, I think their last stop, they're playing Hellfest in Paris. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. Hellfest is so sick. It, play it or go to it. I want to go there one day. Me too. It's just four days of some of the best fucking bands ever. It's so cool. Yeah. The way they, which, which, uh, which band are you talking about? Uh, Spotlights. Spotlights. Okay. I'll have to so, check them out. So they're like, uh, hmm. best way I know to exp explain it is like they're like a doom shoegaze. Okay. You know, okay. slow, heavy. The last heavy, album, yeah. uh, Alchemy for the Dead, is it's heavy, but it's a little more, uh, you can hear a lot of other influences in there. Okay. Right. So it's spotlights, plural? Yep. Got it. Yeah. Oh, whoa. My cat almost just fell on the floor. She's been sitting here the whole time. She just, right anytime on. I'm on the computer doing anything, my cat is here. She uh, just wants to be included. If I was at home, my cat would be sitting right behind me on the chair. Like, Cats are great, dude. Happy Catter Day. Yep. Ah, <laughs> you're right. Um, well, cool. Kyle, I really appreciate you uh, taking some time out of your Saturday to, to come and chat with me about all of your various projects and what you have in the works for 24. Uh, really excited to hear some of that new stuff come out. Um, I don't know. I'll catch you on the flip side. All right. Hey, thank you, man. Thanks for letting me ramble for 45 minutes. I appreciate for, it for sure, dude. Have a great day. You as well, man. Thanks, Thanks for brother. having me. Yep. See Bye. Ya.